Basically, we're going to discuss today a little bit the laws as they pertain to the nine days. But the, generally, the three weeks, starting with Shivasar Betamus, the 17th day of Tammuz, which is a fast day, for three weeks till Tishabav, which is the ninth day above, that's a total of three weeks, those are considered the uh, three weeks, the Bein HaMetzorim, in which we refrain from uh, various activities which would bring us joy and comfort and pleasure and it's considered a time of mourning. So there are some laws that apply to all of the three days, of the, all of the nine, all of the three weeks, uh, which means starting from Shivasa Betamus, uh, this year it's a Nitcha, it starts from uh, Sunday or Saturday night because uh, 17th was on Shabbos, but basically the laws would apply throughout the entire um, three weeks. As the days get closer to Tisha B'Av, to the ninth of Av, which is the culmination of the uh, difficulties that we had, uh, which is the burning of the Beis Hamikdash, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the actual burning down. Uh, as we get closer to it, our restrictions become even more. So we have various different uh, stops which the restrictions increase. So you have the three weeks, like you don't make any marriages in the three weeks, you don't take haircuts during the three weeks. That goes across all the three weeks. But then we have additional, once it comes to the nine days. Uh, nine days before Tisha B'Av, that's starting with Rosh Chodesh, because it's within the month already, it's in the month of Av, in which Tisha B'Av comes out, that gets more serious, as we'll see. We don't drink wine, we don't eat meat, we don't bathe, we don't bathe, we don't uh, do the various different um, um, things. We'll see in a minute, we'll go through that. And what? Okay, so we'll see in a minute, we'll see, we'll discuss, we'll go into that. I'm just giving you an overview. Then when it comes to the week of Tisha B'Av itself, which means the week of Tisha B'Av, where the Shabbos in which Tisha B'Av falls out, so that week gets even more serious. Eve of Tisha B'Av is more serious. Tisha B'Av itself is the most serious. So today, let's discuss for a minute the um, nine days. Okay, starting with the nine days. So basically, this is all based, the nine days, which follow the three weeks, this is all based on actually a Mishnah, uh, the Mishnah says that Mishenichnas Av Mematim Besimcha that once Av enters, we diminish joy. So, which means even joy that we've done before, we still go down a further step. We stop joying, and also Shel Simcha. Also, activity, buying, selling, activity of joy, and therefore. Asur, it's prohibited to purchase new clothing or new shoes or to give to a tailor or to a craft to make you know. So you can't buy or you can't make new clothes during the uh, during the three weeks. Nine days. What? Um we'll see, we'll see in what, technically, 
um, making anything matter new is not something that you should do. Um, depending also if you don't have anything else to wear. Let's first see the halachas here and let's see. Um, now, he, he adds here, um, you're not allowed to even use, you're not allowed to buy, let's say you want to use it, there's, there's a sale. There's a sale in Marshalls or in a store. And you want to, and you're afraid you're going to lose the sale. He says, you're not allowed to buy new clothing even if you're only going to use it afterwards because I guess buying the clothing itself even before wearing it has a certain joy. You're excited about, oh, I'm going to wear it later on. So even though you're not wearing it now but you're buying it for later, uh, that would also be something that you don't want to do uh, in the nine days. Uh, Also, you're not allowed to wash any clothes on during the nine days. There is an exception of the children's soiled uh, clothing, which basically over there, uh, if you didn't wash them, you know they they have bad diapers, bad clothing. There's uh, there's issues that override that, and therefore small children's garment is different. Uh, but generally, you're not allowed to wash clothing, even if you're not going to wear them during uh, the nine days. You want to wash now to have after uh, the nine days. Uh, the exception that that would be if you need a shirt for Shabbos. So then you can have a goy wash it for you. Also not yourself. You can go maybe to a laundromat to give him to, to do the job for you. Um, there's another prohibition here. I mean, people don't know that. I mean, we grew up with this, so we know that. But if you didn't grow up with this, you didn't realize how strict this was. Um, you're not allowed to put on clothing that were washed and you hadn't worn them yet. So your regular clothing that you gave to the, to the laundry or you washed in the laundry and you hung them up in your closet, you're not allowed to wear them in the nine days unless... I mean, excluding for Shabbos. For Shabbos, you could put the honor of Shabbos. But unless, when could you use, unless you have put them on a little bit. So what do we do? So this is what we do. What we do is that before the nine days, uh, you put on all, you try on all your clothing. So the clothing that you're going to wear for the next nine days, till after Tisha B'Av, okay, or till after midday of, Depending on uh, by 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 um, this year, it's a little earlier. But we're 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 not going to wash the clothes during the whole time. But the clothes that you washed before, you just put on. You try on all the shirts, or um, this would mostly, I believe, apply to the outer garments. It does not apply uh, so much to the underwear that a person wears. Um, in uh, in reality, is you know what we used to do all the time is that we used to put on all of our clothing. But I don't remember that we used to do the um, undergarments as well. Uh, it doesn't say here; it doesn't bring down clearly. But it seems that um, uh, just like the children's, where you know they get soiled, they get uh, really soiled. So over there he allows them to wash them, but we don't have really a need 
to wash them because we should have enough, you know, underwear to carry us through so that we can change. We have a big laundry bag after after uh, after Tisha B'av, after the nine days, but um, not to um, not to use that, um, not to wash. I mean, not to wash and then whether uh, one has to actually try on the undergarments or not. Uh, I mean, it's not clear from here, uh, but um, I think the reality is that we don't like the socks, for example. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that we used to actually do that. But you know, later on, we didn't do it so much with the undergarments. Mostly we did it with the uh, shirts and your pants or whatever you're going to wear. Um, you know, most likely your shoes are not new. Well, you don't put on new shoes, but... Uh, uh, mostly you wore your shoes, so that's not going to be an issue. You know. um, there is also an exception, uh, the one when you're doing a bris. So in honor of the bris, the the father, the, the moel, the sandek, those are the people that are involved with the bris. And the parents uh, of, the, um, of the child, uh, they are permitted to uh, put on uh, white garments and Shabbos garment, and uh, it seems like um, even though they haven't been uh, washed before, it'll have the same status as for Shabbos because we said that uh, um, you can't wa- you can't put on new clothing only for Shabbos, but same thing would apply for the bris. That's considered also a mitzvah, so you would be able to put on a shirt that you haven't tried on. Uh, for the um, for the um, for the Shabbos for for the bris. Another thing, which is also people may not know, you're not allowed to wash your entire body um, if the purpose is for pleasure, even if it's in cold water. However, for a healing or for a purpose of a mitzvah like going to the mikvah, things like that. And there's an addition also, sometimes, uh, especially nowadays, a person who is in a lot of discomfort because of the heat and the sweat uh, is permitted. So that's a, um, an additional um, permission that they allow here in this case. Um, in which um, various different uh, uh, authorities allowed for this. Uh, it also uh, would, would, would apply when, God forbid, when somebody is a mourner and you're not allowed to bathe during the time of mourning. Let's say his parents passed away or something like that. The Shiva. The Shiva, yeah. So at that time also there would be the same issue because it's comparable this is like uh, laws of mourning. Um, so, in um, they're more lenient. And today we, we realize also that there is a, uh, it's not just for pleasure. A shower is not only for pleasure. A shower can also be to uh, remove the um, you know the, the total discomfort. I remember that uh, I was a, a youngster, a bachar in, in the yeshiva. We actually didn't shower during the nine days. We didn't shower. It was like a very discomfort. But Rebbe at that time um, started the tanks. The tanks was uh, you would go out every day to 
Manhattan or into Brooklyn and uh, you stop people in the street, you're Jewish, and put on tefillin, give them a the mitzvah, thanks. But this was the very beginning, you know, it was a new thing and it was, and there was various, you know, a group of students, they, their job was to go out every day to Manhattan, but it was smoldering heat in New York and it was very hot. <laughs> And you couldn't take a shower when you could. It wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a, a good scene, whatever. And then you had to talk to people. I didn't know if anybody. I don't know if anybody would want to talk to you. <laughs> you didn't take a shower, but um, he says here that um, that that would be okay for the heat and the sweat. If your discomfort, that would be okay. Uh, now again, it doesn't say here. Clearly, you know, some people in cold water, they'd be also discomfort. They need a little, but basically, even if you have to do it, don't do it in a way that is going to be pleasurable for you. Just do it a quick, you know, taking a, uh, a 20 minute shower and saying, you know, I'm discomfort. That's, that would be uh, deceiving yourself. You know, you, if you got to quickly, you know, just to get rid of the the sweat and get rid of the uh, feeling of heat. Uh, you want to quickly and you want to, don't want to use, you don't have to use totally cold, but not, not the hot water that's going to give you, you know, you like to sit or take a, a tub, a tub, a bubble bath. <laughs> you know, all right. So, but he says that's, uh, but that would be exception. But that's the exception for that. Um, you um, also one who goes to the mikveh in every erev Shabbos uh, is also permitted to to immerse himself uh, and also to to wash their head, face, and hands and feet. You know, for for Shabbos. Now here we're talking about first of all toivel. Again, this is besides the one who's doing it because of heat and the sweat. But we're talking about just regular bathing. Uh, so he says. Um, if you go to the mikveh every Erev Shabbos, you know, sometimes people all of a sudden, they say, well, in the nine days, I'm so hot, I'm going to go to the mikveh. So now I'm going to become, you know, okay. No, no, no. If you use the mikveh every, every Erev Shabbos, then you can use the mikveh. But don't become just religious all of a sudden because you want the water, you want to immerse yourself. Don't, don't do that. But uh, also he says that the, but in honor of Shabbos, it is permissible to go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, this was um, they, the way they tell you to do it over here seems like you can't just bathe your whole body and you can't wash yourself up your whole body. Your hand, your feet, your them, but it brings down here that in reality they bathed fully. They, they did bathe fully. Now, he doesn't say here about soap, but Remember also that um, um, it brings down on the bottom of the footnotes that we would use soap as well. That was uh, that was the actually the way it was done. Again, I don't want to rule here, ruling for everybody, but that's the way we would do it on Erev Shabbos. You may it doesn't say it here, but you may want to do it closer to Shabbos rather than you know you want to do it in the morning. You want to do it right before Shabbos when you take your. Shabbos shower, I guess, uh, so to, um, 
to be clean, so he allows it to use with soap. Just so you know, it's not across the board. A lot of people tell you no, because if you read the words literally in the Shulchan Aruch, you shouldn't really bathe at all, certainly not with soap. So, no, but this is one thing of what it says, the other thing is the way it's practically been done. And I guess as we become more, I guess, aware and more sensitive to, to the hygiene and our cleanliness of our bodies and things like that, I think it goes along with that. You know, on the other hand, you'll find the modern rabbis, they allow all this. They, you know, they just say, ah, you know, there's no, no problem, do, do, whatever. So we have to be somewhere in the middle, yeah. you know, somewhere in the middle. You know, not uh, to totally allow them, but just to keep in mind that it's still the nine days. So we're talking about clearly, so the bottom line is for a shower on Friday uh, before Shabbos, that should be okay to wash yourself even with soap. Rabbi, yeah? I'm remembering my younger son one year. I think he put his nice clothes out and stepped on them as a sign of wearing them before. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure what the stepping does, but uh, how does stepping how does stepping help? I mean, wearing them means that they've been worn. Yeah. I don't know what stepping helps, but whatever. Uh, maybe. Um, another thing is, we don't eat meat, and we don't drink wine during the nine days, with the exception of Shabbos, and a Sudas Mitzvah, when it's a, a celebration of a meal for a mitzvah. In, I know in, in, in camps, for example, uh, they have a hard time when you have kids over there and, you know, from various different homes. They don't know, they don't, a lot of them sometimes are not from religious family and it would be very difficult to um, not feed the kids, you know, meat, chicken during for nine days, you know. It could, it could be like two weeks in camp, you know, they don't do so. What they do is they make a seum uh, that they conclude a tractate, which makes the meal... A Sudas Mitzvah. Once it's a Sudas Mitzvah, uh, they um, they uh, they can eat the, 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 the meat. They can eat it. But uh, Rabbi said, make the siyum, as we'll see soon, but don't eat the meat. You know, in other words, in other words, the Rabbi took the positive part of it and um, what's a siyum? Siyum is a conclusion of a tractate, so it makes it a, a, a mitzvah, a meal, and then you serve a meal with it. That makes it like a meal of a mitzvah, and therefore you in that if you participate in that, then you are able to um, eat. Um, the Rebbe also advised not to move into a new. I mean that that's actually in Shulchan Aruch, but uh, uh, not to go into a new house during the nine days. It's considered to be again you shouldn't do joyous things during the nine days. Uh, the Rebbe sometimes even said, push it off till the 15th of Av, because, you know, the 15th of Av is a joyous day. To be Av. That's Chamesha also be Av. That's, now, um, he says, after the 15th of Av, I'm not sure why after, 15th of Av seems to be already but uh, another time the Rebbe says, move in the month of Elul, which is the month of, of mercy, you know, but I guess, Depending on what your options are, if you're being evicted and you need a quick place to live, I mean, have to go to the street or something. So, I mean, of course, you have to judge in each case by himself. What about if you need a medical procedure? The Rebbe's advice was that you should push it off for after Tisha B'Av. 
Uh, any, the more you delay it, is better. Uh, if the doctor says, no, you need it urgently, you need it now, so the best is to do it before Shabbos Chazon, that's the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, because, like we said before, it gets more serious as we go on. The reason we don't want to do an operation then, or we learned also about in the Shekhanarach, it talks about if you have a court case or something, push it off. Uh, we're talking about uh, with, a, with, a non-Jew, with, with, with a non-Jew, because the luck of a Jew is not good during this time. Also, medicine is not a good time for a Jew. It's not a good time. So best is to push it off if you can. If you have to do it, do it before Shabbos Chazon. That's not as, not as serious as it gets later on. Um, the um, the siyum. Now we have a, a siyum. The Rebbe introduced the tradition to make a siyum, which means to conclude a tractate of the Talmud each days of the nine days, starting from Rosh Chodesh. And the Rebbe actually always said once that maybe even before that, you know, even before Rosh Chodesh. No, a good thing is good even even earlier. But Ravi said from the nine days to start and um, uh, up to Tishabov. Also on the eve of Tishabov and Tishabov, you should do things that are permissible because we're not allowed to study the regular stuff. So you do uh, in a way that is permissible. And when it's fitting, the Rebbe said to also make a, a meal and a fabrengen to utilize this. What is the reasons that we're doing these seums? Because during these days we are searching for all ways that are permissible, of course, to try to minimize, to use good and happy occasions. It's a sad time. So we're trying sort of to find uh, positive things that can be done to point out that the and reveal the hidden inner good that is connected with the descent of these days. They're, bad, they're sort of days of sadness to try to find the inner side of these, within sadness itself to reveal the goodness of them. So we do it through this Torah, starting with study of Torah. Study of Torah is considered the mitzvahs of Hashem bring joy in Samche Lev. And that's why you make a Simcha when you've completed the Torah. So the Torah doesn't prohibit making a siyum. So learning a siyum and making a simcha will sort of bring about the goodness of it. And that's why the Rebbe says, also on Shabbos, it's um, fitting to make a siyum in the nine days. And the Rebbe says, best to keep involved as many people as possible. Get other people involved as well. Um, that would be because of you want to share your joy and your uh, study with others, Avas Yisrael, Achdus Yisrael, with joy. And this would apply even to most of the people. They, they haven't completed. You're doing a seum and they haven't done it, but you're bringing them in into your joy, uh, even though they haven't done them themselves. Um, and the Rebbe says it's, it's proper to do a seum and those tractates that are easier to explain so that you can quickly tell the people that are gathered, they should understand what's going on over here. Even the very simplest of people. 
because when you make a seam in these things, so then you can even include, you meet a Jew in the street, in the middle of his business, you go over with him about what you concluded, so even though you don't tell him, I finished the Masechta, you just tell him about the last statement over there, what comes in the end of the tractate, you share with him, uh, you're actually bringing him in, because he doesn't have to know that it's a seam or not, but you can, you know, you can include him, even it's his benefit, it's a merit for him, it's a good schus for him, so do that as well. Rabbi says, of course, if you have the ability, you should conclude yourself. If you can finish the Masechta, do it on your own. But if you don't, you can't, at least you should participate in the seum that others do. Um, if you can do it ten, with ten people there, that would be great. And uh, that would be um, also giving them opportunity to be part of a seum. Um, so the Rebbe says, um, you should also um, do the seum on the radio and uh, to also connect it in a, in a, in a way of making a Simcha Shal Mitzvah. So, <laughs> I have to tell you, um, um, so this was in uh, Tavshin uh, Mem. So uh, Tavshin Mem was, um, was, uh, was um, 1980. 1980. Toshimel was in 1980. Uh, 1980, uh, so they organized on the radio in New York that there should be somebody giving the seam for all the days. And they gave me the seam for the first day. That was my, to give the seam on the radio. But it uh, so happens that Marifki was born on Rosh Chodesh As I was supposed to give the seam, I was actually in the hospital <laughs> with a... <laughs> so I didn't, so we missed out. That was the same. I was supposed to do the same on the radio then, was the Rebbe asked. And, you know, I didn't do it because of this. Um, so um, the Rebbe said to go do, 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 do it on the radio. And um, also to um, connect it, make it a Simcha Shal Mitzvah, and also. Um, trying to um, involve many people. The Rebbe also said um, to make it as public as you can. Also get young children involved, Rebbe. Not only people that are children in knowledge, but literally, physically, children, small children. Even though they cannot understand so well yet. And this would be similar to the scene we do in Erev Pesach that you Bring even the chill, little b'chayrim you bring them. So bring them in here as well. Uh, generally, the Rebbe says that you should add this generally the study of Torah, giving more tzedakah, based on the verse, seen by Mishpat Tepot It says that Zion will be redeemed through the Torah and through tzedakah. Uh, and the Rebbe says when you talk about tzedakah, always make sure bring along a pushka. So immediately you can give tzedakah. In Shabbos, of course, you do it in a permissible way uh, by 
sharing foods and drinks, and spiritual tzedakah, giving tzedakah. Uh, and Rabbi also said in that you should tell, uh, suggest to people that every time when you make the seum to remind people about the extra special time now is to give extra tzedakah, to talk about the seum, also talk about the love of every fellow Jew. And the Rebbe says they should publicize this instruction, this suggestions and these instructions in all places. And even if Mashiach comes before the nine days are over, you're still going to make this seum. And you're going to be able to begin and finish the books that Mashiach will reveal to us. Um, so basically, that's the seum. So you'll see there's a whole, a whole um, lot of seums going on. People are studying and people are uh, finishing and um, listening to the Rebbe's instruction over here. So like I said, when we were in camp, they would make the seums for the kids so they can eat meat. We don't eat the meat or the other things, but at least we do the simcha to bring in the simcha and the joy. And generally... This is, the, this is the point that when you learn the inner part of, 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 of the meaning of things, so while on the literal, physical, on the superficial level, it's only sadness, it's only devastation, we are mourning, we are crying, but underneath it, in the, on the layer, in an inner layer, we know that everything, there is a goodness in there, and we have to reveal that goodness as Rabbi said, the word Geula is just an extra Aleph over the word Goyla. Goyla means exile. Geula means redemption. If you bring in the Aleph, you reveal. And um, all these activities were meant to A, encourage and strengthen our belief in the coming of Mashiach, and to hasten the coming of Mashiach by doing all these things. The Rabbi says to reveal, and hopefully uh, we'll break through uh, the exile, and will bring down Mashiach literally by this um, year so that we don't have to have uh, Tisha B'Av or anything. But we'll still have the Siyum, as Rabbi says. <laughs>